Blog Talk Radio. Celebrating their 20th year in radio broadcasting with news not heard in the news. The International Taz and Paula Show interviews experts from all walks of life, bridging research and personalized journeys, revealing new ways to unleash life with a passion of a heartbeat. And now, here's Taz and Paula. Well, here's to a fabulous day to all of our listeners, wherever you may be. And back in the fold with us again today is our incredible guest, Mayor Schneider, and he's always full of surprises. Sharing Mayor with all of you out there is like giving the world a piece of candy because the precision he delivers brings wide-eyed amazement every single time as one learns what is needed to support their health. Um, Mayor's knowledge and teaching capabilities really simply works again and again, and it becomes a blessing to everyone he touches. Even while we're engaging with Mayor on the phone, Paula, I'm continually learning. <laughs> you are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show. I'm Taz. And I'm Paula. Yes, Taz, he is a doc that creates miracles and then more miracles. Mayor, by the way, was just featured in April's issue of Massage Magazine. And coming around the corner, Mears starts his worldwide tour that begins April 14th in Canada, then on to Germany, London, Italy, Spain, and maybe even Portugal and France. Mir, it's always an upliftment to have you with us on our show. You're like Hi. our favorite guest. You're our favorite Thank guest, you. and welcome to our show. Wonderful to Are be you on excited? your show. This is my favorite show, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> Are you excited about your upcoming tour? Very much so, very much so. I, um, I'm very happy that my book is now in eight different languages. It's going to be in nine different languages soon. Wow. And uh, the reason I'm going to Spain is to present uh, to the um, Natural Vision Improvement uh, Association to present my work I just lately had a very wonderful breakthrough case with my work, and I uh, would love to present that. And we're talking about somebody with low tension glaucoma, which is an interesting problem. But anyway, um, one thing that uh, uh, that I want to say is that um, I'm working tirelessly, exactly just the way that your show is, to bring a whole new consciousness of what's available for people, of what's avail- available in the world. And I was very excited yesterday to lecture uh, to two groups of students in State University who have a wonderful professor um, uh, of uh, holistic health and explain uh, that there is hope where many people think there isn't, uh, like the case that I want to present to you. I have a lady who... um, came to me with low-tension glaucoma. Now, to explain to you, normal pressure in the eye, and the eye needs to have pressure, is 10 to 20. Anything less than 10 seems to be too low of a pressure. And the eye needs to have pressure, just like tires need to have pressure. Uh, So it would 
would uh, be solid. Then if people have pressure which above 20 is considered to be high and uh, above 30 is considered to be dangerous, low-tension glaucoma, the uh, regular pressure destroys the optic nerve. Just like some people, regular fever is a high fever for them. So they uh, say that even at the pressure of 15 and 16 and 19, which for most people would be a wonderful pressure, that um, the eye gets destroyed, the optic nerve gets compromised. So uh, what happened with uh, my client, she managed her pressure beautifully for many years with eye drops. And she, by the way, also drinks a little bit of alcohol every day to manage the pressure down. And then she broke her ankle. And she was she shattered it when she was in New York. She lives in New York, and she crossed the street. She shattered the ankle, spent a year of therapy, didn't even leave her home. And then when she um, went to be tested, her pressure went first very much down to a dangerous point, and then very much up, which, you know, again, 19 is good pressure, but for her it was way too high. So she came here. Uh, for a bunch of sessions and her eyes got better in many ways but the pressure didn't go down at all and he wanted to do the the top specialist she worked with wanted to do a very very serious surgery with her to create a structure in the eye that will drain her fluid and so then she came to me and she brought a pressure machine. She was wealthy enough to possess one. Those are not cheap. Um, they're not cheap to buy and they're not cheap to FedEx. I can tell you only only FedEx costs about $1,000 to ship them across the country. Mm. But she measured her pressure and to my surprise, getting massage increased her pressure. Uh, and I would think it would decrease her pressure, but it did. So we found that exercises that balance the use of her two eyes, we have special exercises with beads. As she looked at one bead and the rest uh, seemed to be double, which means that we're using both eyes. And to explain to the audience, if you look at one finger and the other one is uh, far away from that finger, the second finger will be double. And if you look at the sem- second finger, the first one will be double. So basically with beads, You have like seven beads or so, and every time you look at a bead, the rest should be double. It didn't really happen to her. And then I taught her how to relax her eyes, and we had special exercise with red and green glasses to balance the use of the eyes. And when she visits her top specialist now in Baltimore, he found that her pressure went down from 19 to 13, and he does not want to do the surgery. And she asked him, do you want to know how I got there? He said, no, just keep doing it. Pretty good, huh? We're talking about 19 to 13. That's about a third of the pressure that went down. And I have a precedent. My daughter had a high pressure. It went to 36, and then it went down to 23 with uh, the kind of work that we do without drops. So there's a lot we can do for glaucoma. This was my latest. This Friday, I heard about the incredible results that were with her, and I was so happy. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, I just had my pressure. I would just had my pressure done, and on one of my eyes, it's 10. Should I worry about that? No. No. 
No, but uh, when the pressure gets down to six or to four, eight is already low. Ten is good. Ten is good. If the pressure go, goes very low, then the eye becomes soggy, and I've met people losing vision that way. <laughs> I was just going to ask you, you're always opening new doors for others. That uh, That's a given. But, however, um, you know, I was going to ask you, what have been some of the surprises that have come to you when you are in these processes? You must see these daily. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I had one lady from Santa Cruz area, from Felton, um, that has muscular dystrophy. And I was trying to help her fight for her independence a lot, but she went a step too far. I mean, she was very weak, and she cooked for herself, and against my advice, decided she has to be totally independent. I, we got to her health food shop to deliver her food and stuff, but she eventually starved, and one, te- one day she just went down to a coma. Fell down, go to a coma. So uh, she was hospitalized. And they did a thyroid surgery in the hospital, which I thought was a mistake, but not so bad. But then one doctor wanted to put um, a tube into her intestine, and I really pressured her family to not do that. And I'm happy because now she is very hungry all the time, and she wants to eat a lot, which is great. And she, when she, she got out of the coma, did some physiotherapy, and then she came here, and I'm able to get her to walk. I mean, she's in a wheelchair. She has muscular dystrophy. I'm able to get her to walk in the pool and get her to walk holding railing. And I really feel that um, uh, determination of a client like this can make a very, very big difference in her life. So that's that's one of the wonderful surprises because I was so depressed when she went to a coma, so happy when she got out of it, and I'm so happy I can get her on her feet out of a wheelchair. So that's... That's one of those ones. So it really helps to to uh, work with your people in, in the water. Absolutely. Because sometimes, you know, a person can't walk outside the water, but in the water they can walk. And it really encourages them a lot. It also brings much more blood flow and strengthens them a lot. And then they find themselves all of a sudden, you know, I'm going to the bathroom without uh, going in my wheelchair. I'm, I'm uh, pushing my wheelchair also with my hands. I... Uh, and my legs, I can do so much more than I used to do. And that, that's what's going on when you can start to do movements that you couldn't do in any other way. So it's always very nice to encourage paralyzed people to function better. Right. Oh, wow. It's just overturning the uh, unconscious expectations that we have we have thought about what capabilities we will have, how we think, how we breathe, and by teaching us new ways like this to move and think and to experience life, it's just really, um, you know, this is a life-giving gift that not many can really do. And you really have the stay course to do this. This is just amazing. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, a very well, hard thing to, to deliver in the world, but it's very important for people to know. Wherever you are is your starting point. There's no place for guilt. There's no place for um, uh, press beating, so to speak. Now you start, and if you choose to move from here to a better place, you can do it. Well, so many people get, uh, maybe a doctor or someone tells them, you'll never be able to get out of that wheelchair. And so they they begin to believe it. And in 85% of the cases, they can get out of a wheelchair. 
I mean, there's those places where you can't, but um, I found out, you know, I'll give you a real good example of a general population I worked with. Uh, polio these days is a rare disease, thanks to many nice donors in the West that helped many Africans to skip polio. Um, I think the only place we have polio is still Af- uh, Afghanistan or Pakistan, you know, but basically, basically escapes the largest population of the world. But there was a time when there was a huge epidemic of polio. And um, what we discovered, what physiotherapy discovered, is that normally what happens to the polio uh, patients is that they end up being stronger in one side of the body and weaker in another side. There's nothing normal when it comes into polio. There's no science there in particular. But if you look at statistics, most people with polio are more afflicted in one side than the other. Of course, physiotherapy went into action, and the first thing that they did is wanted to strengthen what is already strong. And you could understand their reasons. I mean, if you practically want a person to drive, then you strengthen what is strong, so they can use one arm, they can use one leg and drive. But here's what happened that was a problem. And what happened that was a problem is that they overuse the strong part and underuse the weak part. And it didn't take even 20 years to have what's called post-polio, where the polio virus wakes up in the central nervous system and destroys more motor cells when the weak part um, that was weak puts an incredible load on the strong part because the weak part wasn't working and the strong part wasn't that strong in the first place. So the strong part starts to collapse. And uh, people become more paralyzed, start to get heart attacks and, and lung disease and others, and all kinds of new disease start to happen to them. What I did always, and that was my instinct from the age of 18 or 17 when I started to work with people, is to strengthen the weak part. Sometimes all I could do is strengthen it by 2 or 3%. Sometimes I could go as far as 60%. But I strengthened the, the weak side. And physiotherapists just gave up on the weak side and didn't think that strengthening a bit would make any difference. But I did that. And that took away pressure from the strong side. And my polio patient held 20 years, sometimes 30 years, before they got the post-polio attack after the after most of the polio patients got it. So post-polio is a result of the immediate rush for function and not staying enough with the client. And that's exactly what's true about many of the treatments that medicine gives. Quick results, results now, regardless of the total picture. And the total picture sometimes is good to have slow results that are long-lasting. I've heard of uh, people that had the post-polio uh, syndrome that they didn't even realize that they had polio at one point in their life. Mm. And then this comes up. So, But with um, them, it came up later than with those who did realize they had polio because of the training of physiotherapy. Because physiotherapy, uh-huh. like most other exercises, stressed working with the strong parts of the body. I think it's a mistake. I think we should all work for what's weak in us. Mayor, I have a question. I question if if one can balance the eyes 
does that create a better balance in the body itself? Yes, and it also is connected to the balance of the body itself. So in order to balance the eyes, you definitely want to balance the body. In order to balance the body, you definitely want to balance the eyes. It's also very important to balance the ears. As I talk to you, it's important for me sometimes to move the phone from ear to ear to make sure that if I have a dominant ear, it's not going to overwork. And most people, uh, in order to feel in control, use their stronger ear or the dominant ear, and uh, that's the only ear that they use on the phone. So I think it's it's very, very important uh, to balance the eyes. It really makes the neck much looser and function much better. Wow. Huh. That's, that's a good piece of advice. I've never heard that before. Oh, God. So so maybe um, uh, deep relaxing the eyes again, you know, back and forth and really working with them obviously creates muscles and uh, and better eye vision and things like that for people to... Uh, and for example, if you talk if you talk about sunning the sun, okay? Yeah. You know the medical profession, I think, is graduating right now. Forty five years of campaign against the sun. They really blast the sun. The sun is the worst thing on earth, right? Doesn't matter. It gives us all energy to live. And you know they have some points. I mean, some people have skin damage from the sun. A few people got cancer as a result of exposure to the sun. But the fact that people escape the sun cause a massive amount of uh, bone loss, of osteoporosis. But in my opinion, it causes a hell of a lot more than that. It causes heart disease and many problems. Right now, the medical profession in a very, very strong way says that the way to prevent cancer is to have a lot of vitamin D. Well, I think the way you get vitamin D from the sun is more effective than the way you get vitamin D from digestion. And um, it's important for me to say that the cold sun is the best sun, like the one we have in San Francisco, and sometimes you have in the peninsula and in San Jose. The thing is, the cold sun, it means that your body doesn't swell, and the sun is doing well. In fact, humid and too hot of a sun is actually pretty bad for the body. And so when I, for example, teach classes in Tel Aviv, or near Tel Aviv in Jaffa, I take I, I swim in the sea for about an hour. I normally wake up at um, 5.45 in the morning, swim from 6 to 7, go home, take a nice shower. And then even if I walk in the hot sun and I teach throughout the day, and most of those Israelis are actually very accustomed to the sun, but they suffer and I don't because I cooled my body for a whole hour in the sea. And the sea is warm, but the temperature of the body falls down in the water. So if anyone is in a hot, humid sun, or sometimes a hot sun that you have in the summer in the South Bay, you take two or three cold showers, even if it's for one minute throughout the day, you take away the inflammation. But to escape the sun and to not have sun exposure is a very big mistake. And that the other side of it is that when we do sunning, we affect the size of the pupils. And pupils, when they're small, they lead to um, uh, relaxation of the whole autonomic nervous system, basically. 
So that's a. So it's bad to wear. It's bad to wear dark glasses then. In my opinion, yes. I mean, if you are sensitive to the light, put a hat. I mean, the only time for you to wear dark glasses is uh, uh, if you are party and you want to in the party you want to disguise yourself or something, or you want to look <laughs> fashionable. Uh, and a good other time to wear sunglasses is when you drive into a setting or a rising sun and it's right in your eyes. Other than that, I'm very much against wearing dark glasses, and I think it's a tragedy that so many people wear them everywhere, and some people even wear them inside buildings with strong lights. I think it's a big mistake. We've got to let our pupils shrink. It affects our whole autonomic nervous system and makes the autonomic nervous system relax. And so to return to you, Taz, I think it is so important that we allow the sun to work. It affects our immune system, our bone system. It affects our heart. And the eyes, in this sense, the constriction of the pupils makes a difference. Now, many people say I'm light sensitive. Well, one of my exercises is we go to a very dark room. We have glow-in-the-dark balls. We throw it to each other. And first, we don't see what's in the room because the room is dark. Then we go outside, do sunning, where we close the eyes and move the head all the way from side to side. Then we go back inside to a dark room and throw the ball uh, from person to person. Again, we go outside to the sun and do the exercise of sunning. And doing that leads to much better activities in the pupils and eventually leads to great strengthening of the pupils. Wow. <coughs> what about... Yeah, that, that, Amir, oh, what I'm about the about inflammation? This. I'm sorry. Oh. Um, go ahead, Paula. I was just going to ask this. Do some of the elderly people that fall a lot, is it because of their eyes or their equilibrium? Both. Or both. Mainly equilibrium. Both. And many people in an older age have problems with the inner ear, you know. They sometimes have ear infections, but often they have uh, balance because of problems in the inner ear. And also, people get weaker. I mean, if you don't want to be um, old uh, or have symptoms of an old person, well, work on your uh, level of flexibility. I think it's very, very important. Work on your flexibility and work on your strength. It's very simple. Hmm. What about the inflammation in the joints, Mir? What are you saying? What about the inflammation? In you know, I have joint. a wonderful CD. Uh, it used to be a tape. You know, I'm an old-fashioned guy. I used to do things in tape recorders, but we record. It's like home recording. That is called breath and the mobility of the joints. And people breathe to every single joint that they have. It's like, of course, you breathe. You breathe to your lungs, but as you breathe, you think you breathe to your joint, and you visualize if the joint expands when you breathe in and shrinks when you breathe out, and Thinking that allows uh, basically reduction in the inflammation. It's amazing it, without any side effects and actually with many benefits. If you think, and it takes you time to think, about each area which is inflamed, slowly, slowly the inflammation just goes away. Wow, wow that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's good news. So, yeah. um, so But there's okay. another solution, of course, cooling the inflamed area. It's okay. temporary. But if you cool it, then you can move it. And if you move it, you bring more blood flow. So that's another thing. So whenever I get somebody with arthritis um, 
in my place, I get them to a warm pool, but I tell them to take a cold shower before, after, in the middle, and um, or I get them into my hot tub and put ice exactly on the uh, inflamed joint, or we simply put ice on the joint, and all that really makes a big difference in terms of their ability. Mm. Wow. So how long should the, the coldness be on the body itself like that? Five minutes. Five minutes? Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, I mean, if unless you're in a hot tub, then we put ice um, or some ice pack, which melt very quickly in the hot water. <laughs> but we do it again and again. But uh, if you're outside the hot tub, and especially if you want to do exercises, we take a towel that we put for three or four minutes in the freezer or 20 minutes in the fridge, and it's it's enough that it's cold. Then it drains the fluid. Then we can do massage and and um, basically we do uh, skin rolls, and that kind of like pinching takes away the fluid. And then of course you do movements, and it brings much more blood flow. Now it's very dangerous to do movements with an inflamed joint because it can aggravate it and cause more inflammation. So you must deinflame the joint in order to make a difference. Hmm. So you just up the power of your treatment. <laughs> so you put ice on on the inflamed area before you do movement. So that's cold what you're towel. saying. You know, cold towel. Okay. You know, is a good thing. Yeah, definitely. I was just going to say, Scandinavian people, you see them uh, go from the hot water to the you know the ice water back to the hot water they must have known that this was good for years isn't it nice and it's really good for the heart i mean again you have all those critics that shows you the person who got a heart attack who shouldn't have done it because everyone is different i mean how would i know that massage raised the pressure of that particular patient i know that massage reduced pressures of other patients um i had once a baby that um had high pressure, and I put my hand on my eye and another hand on her eye, and then my hand on her eye and on someone else's uh, eye, like her sister was younger than her. Her sister was a year and a half, and that baby was two and a half years. And the pressure went down. It went down from 27 to 11, which is amazing. So uh, you definitely can affect the body with touch, and you can affect the body with movement. But uh, I think that it's very, very important to know that when we talk about inflammation, we must reduce the inflammation first before we move. Well, it's amazing that a towel, a cold towel, will assist that. That's that's just it's just amazing. So it shrinks the tissues, the fluid drains, and more yeah. blood comes. Yeah, but a towel isn't like ice. You know, the ice is so. You don't need ice because, you see, ice eventually aggravates. I mean, I understand if you broke a leg or you have an immediate sprain or something, but basically for things like this, you really don't need ice. And by the way, uh, to change subject, if people, for example, um, have computer eye strain, it's one of the best things to do, to lie down with the same kind of cold towel, 20 minutes refrigerated or two or three minutes in the freezer for about, two or three minutes, and it can take away all the stress that the computer caused them. <laughs> because You're, it causes inflammation. The inflammation goes away. I have trouble with dry eyes. And, uh-huh. uh, I, was told, I was told to put a warm compress on my eyes. I would do cold. I would do warm and cold. 
I mean, the worm expands the muscles and also increases the size of the capillary, but then the cold shrinks and takes away the inflammation. And I think massaging around the eyes helps. And also, in most cases, to do a lot of movement in the middle back, to loosen up the middle back, that can make a very big difference. Oh, wow. That's, We're going to have that. to have you report on this, Paula, next time. <laughs> oh, my God. One thing after another here, Mir. That's just marvelous. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. So, you know, I have some good news for my publisher. My book, Vision for Life, and by the way, the first radio show I spoke about the book was the Taz and Paula show. <laughs> so my book, uh, Vision for Life, um, sold enough copies. It's not like huge amount between what they sold electronically and paper bag and what they sold the school and the school then sells them to other people. Altogether, they sold a little bit more than 10,000 copies. Wow. So, great. Uh, yeah, that's great. So now they're allowing me to do a second edition to the book, which I'm very happy to do. Oh, well, I mean, you said that this book, is this the book that has nine in nine different languages? Yeah. Yeah, Vision for Life. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. It's very nice. Yeah. And, you know, there was a second edition in the Czech language and second uh, edition in German. So let's see how it's going to do in the other languages. Oh, yeah. I don't know how you have time with all the travel and the teaching and everything you do, but we're thankful that you do, that's for sure. Thanks. So, you know, the two main things for me is to train new people in my work. We have a very big association in Brazil. I have many students in Israel. I want to see more students in this country. And this coming uh, August, uh, we will have a new training course, and it starts on August 12th. So those who don't have time, just come for the first 80 hours. And it's 10 hours a day, so it's very condensed. It's very nice. And um, on August 12th to August 19th, uh, we have um, the first part of it where we work on your back, on your digestion, um, uh, on on uh, bones and joint flexibility, and of course on vision as well. And we do a lot of massage. Um, when we do the second segment, we work on vision, on the uh, nervous system, and you can exercise the nervous system and your muscles. And the thing that I want to say is that it's a transformational course, both uh, physically and mentally. I mean, you come and you learn the powers that you have to heal yourself, and you start the first step of acquiring a whole new profession where you train others and encourage others to heal themselves. So it's a very unique course, and I really hope that uh, a couple of the audience will take interest in that. And wow, what's the I didn't realize... Course? What's the name of the course, Mir? It is um, a training in the Mayer Schneider Method. Okay. Uh, it's a 160-hour course, and it helps you to develop skills um, in in many ways. It helps you develop skills to take care of yourself, take care of your vision, um, it, it, to maintain your health, and it helps you to acquire kinesthetic awareness, something that is so hard for people to feel because we're so numb in our life, and um, 
it's a it's a life course for two thirds of the students who take it, and one third take it to continue professionally. But it's wonderful; you really learn a lot in that course. Well, I didn't realize that you actually uh, worked with the digestive system and the nervous system. That's beyond what I thought. You know, let's let's put it this way. The digestive system needs a lot of work. Let me explain to you a few things. The most important thing in the digestive system is peristalsis, and this is the life force of digestion. Peristalsis is what helps you metabolize the food, helps you to uh, break it down and reconstruct it in the best possible way. That's the movement of digestion. You have it even when you go to space. You have it even if you stand on your head. Almost in every course I stand on my head and have somebody feed me. In short, I can chew and swallow while I am on my head. (laughs) So that's an interesting thing, right, the digestive system. So then what what I would like to to say about that is that it's really a question of having a loose lower back and wonderful mobility to you know, to not hold gas, but to pass all the gas that you need, and all that you can get with massage and with movement. Because the difference between having good movement within your intestines and bed is huge. You could eat um, McDonald's. You know, McDonald's has a very good product. You know that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it smells like food, tastes like food, feels you like food, but it's not food, right? So right. Uh, right. You, you, can, you can take that product, and somehow digest it. And then you could eat the best lettuce, the most organic food there is, cooked in the best possible way and not digest anything. And the difference is how good your peristalsis is. And that's what we work here, on peristalsis. And in terms of the nervous system, we exercise the autonomic nervous system, which is the automatic nervous system, which was built for ancestors who lived in more primitive uh, ways, and basically they had to deal with good response to emergency. Let's say a lion meets you, and you don't have uh, a rifle like you would have these days, and you need to take care of that lion, or the lion takes care of you. (laughs) Well, there would be all kinds of changes in your body. And these days, there is nothing fast. I mean... Problems now before taxes, I can say economical problems, uh, legal problems, uh, disputes. It's all long term, and we really don't have the nervous system for it. So what we do in our class is we mimic the function of the autonomic nervous system. We basically create um, uh, a lot of sphincter work where we, uh, and, and the audience can do it. You can. Squeeze your thumb against three fingers and inhale and then exhale heavily through your lips like a choo-choo train, like and then constrict your bladder and let go, uh, and then constrict your anus and let go, and then inhale and keep there in and breathe out, exhale, keep there out, and then breathe in. You do that, and slowly, slowly, you work as if you are in an emergency situation, but you're in a peaceful situation. So you get rid of that tension that is with you for a long time. Also, we need to really break hard connective tissues so we'd be able to function much better in our body. We do that with massage and with movement. And uh, to give you some sense of how things get internal, I'll never forget in 1982, 
I was showing people a nice movement against the wall, like they would put the arms straight and they would move the chest forwards and backwards. And then we got them to lift the arm and move the whole arm in rotating motion, tap on the chest. And after that, I worked with people on their toes to try and move the toes independently, a different exercise, and one lady fainted. And she said, stop the fire, stop the fire. And a bunch of people came and told her, there is no fire here. And I said, don't talk to her. I just took a jug of water and spilled it on her toes. Mm-hmm. And she thought the fire is being stopped, and she woke up. And she did not know that she was in that trauma. So a year before, there was a fire, and her toes got slightly burned in that fire. And everybody was scared of that fire, and she was strong for everyone. But all those emotions were in her. So when we moved the chest, and when we start to move on the toes, she started to remember all those things. So what I want to say is that that's an extreme case. But in many ways, we internalize, and we keep in our body incredible amount of tension that we can't let go of. And this kind of sphincter exercise make a very big difference and it create a balance. It's a very good way to prevent many existing illnesses. Well, and then I the other thing is we work on coordination exercises uh, that uh, help us control better the central nervous system. And we also learn about human evolution and work on crawling, uh, which imitates the way that we were when we were infants. So in my training course, there's so much going on and there's so many changes that can happen that uh, we hope to get more people who will come and participate in it. Mayor, you talk um, about, I wanted to cry when you talked about that. Wow, that was pretty awesome. Um, A lot of people have acid reflux and hiatal hernia where their food gets stuck in the esophagus and stuff. Um, You want to talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. First of all, if that happens, always tap on your chest. Because if you tap on your chest, the, the food may pass from, from the esophagus down. But second of all, I think that one of the things that it shows you is that the hips are stiff. If you would do like um, a, a position like you would lie on your stomach and you would push your upper body up and then go down and push your lower body up like the cobra, you know, but a full yeah. cobra, a full movement like this, Uh, and you would do the sphincter exercise I'm talking about, you would slowly, slowly be able to reduce the the influx. Also, bending a lot, like, you know, uh, bending down, chin to the chest, and slowly bending down, that can really help drain the uh, intestines and drain the stomach from extra acid, and I think that will really solve the problem. Besides talking about what bothers you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it's really it, it blows my mind that the hips have anything to do with it. <laughs> Absolutely, tight lower back prevents peristalsis. The whole problem with acid reflux is that the sphincter between the esophagus and the stomach is not normal. It's not like the sphincter between the stomach and the small intestines, or small intestines and the large intestines. It's called. Uh, basically a physiological sphincter because it's not perfect. So you really need to make sure the food goes down. And if there is tension, there is narrowness, there is all kinds of problems that don't allow the food to go down and some food comes up from the stomach to the esophagus. So what we must do is basically drain everything, strengthen everything, 
and relax everything. And again, the main thing is peristalsis. The more the peristalsis works, the better it is. Well, I've found out that also if you're under, like for instance, if you're cooking your meal and you're all, you know, you're kind of busy, 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 and then you sit down and you eat right away, then, you know, then the acid reflux or that kind of thing apps you know strikes you i mean like that happens it's like the tension in the upper part of the body it's you know again so i can see maybe where hips are stiff and things like that 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 you don't have that flexibility but i think also a lot of tension no question no question so now comes the question why do we have tension and the answer is you know we're always worried about things. You know what Mark yeah. Twain said, right? He said, uh, yeah. I've encountered many problems in my life. Most that have never happened. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Now, yeah, you, you know what I find my, you know what I find myself doing, and I know it's bad, is holding my stomach in. That's because you were trained to do that from young age. Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah, what you yeah. need is to let it go out. So you inhale and exhale and let the abdomen move because I think it can make a very big difference. So again, uh, massaging the abdomen is a real good thing. Doing the plow position is a good thing. This is the one thing that we really work very nicely in our class. People's digestion gets way better as a result of what we do. I have people who come to me with irritable bowel, and then the bathroom experience becomes much easier for them, and uh, they don't feel under pressure, and they feel much better. Definitely. Now, have you ever worked with anybody with neuropathy? No, definitely. Definitely. Of the legs or of the arms or where? On the legs and feet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it could be as a result of uh, pinched nerve. It could be also a result of poor blood flow to the legs and feet. And it's one thing I want to say. Without loosening the hips and the shoulders and doing round movements with them and doing the full movement to each direction, what really happens is those muscles block circulation from coming to the feet and to the hands. And loosening the shoulders and the hips is the beginning of curing neuropathy. Then you work specifically on the neuropathy itself because the nerve could be damaged to a small extent. But it mainly starts with having this um, tension in the center that doesn't allow the blood to move. So it sounds. I I know a few people that have a neuropathy, and it sounds like, you know, you're, you're talking about tension and they're not moving, and that's true because the they, the people that I know, they either have uh, diabetes, or they've had chemotherapy, or they have have hip problems where they're not moving properly, and that kind of thing, and um, and so they lack the circulation. So maybe the circulation la- is lacking in the. In the in the well in the whole body actually huh and moving moving the center portion of the body and getting that moving. You know you 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 you're really hitting the hammer on the nail. What, what really happens is we lose our good blood flow with time, with sitting excessively, with walking with shoes on cement, with having unrelentless re- relentless tension. All that leads to destruction of um, of our body, and we need to start 
and uh, and use uh, the body in a whole new way. I really believe in rotating motions. I really believe that you cannot have loose hips and weak toes. You have to strengthen your toes so the ankles will not be so stiff. You need to mo- move your ankles a lot. You know, I'm a regular runner, but there's always that day where I will take off and just work on loosening my body and not run that day. So when I run next day, my body is loose as it runs. And what we're used to is stiffening ourselves constantly. As you said yourself, Taz, we become more and more stressed throughout the day. But one of the reasons we're stressed is that we have no way to really loosen ourselves up. And we Mm -hmm. have to decide what our priority is. My priority is to not worry what will happen will happen and to loosen myself all I can. I think that's that should be my priority in life, basically. So how do you loosen your, yourself up? I mean, do you do yoga exercises? or? Uh, first of all, every 20 minutes that you sit, stand up, stretch. I did it right, just right now. You stand up, uh, you move the hips in rotating motion, you look up at the ceiling, you take a leg and stretch it backwards, and you do that, and you don't allow the tension to accumulate. The second thing, yes, you do those exercises. What I would recommend is people will download my book, The Handbook of Self-Healing, and also get my book, Movement for Self-Healing, and they can definitely learn to use muscles whenever used before. But, Paula, there is few principles here. We have uh, many muscles we never use. We have more than 600 muscles, and people use between 50 and 100 of them because they're not aware of much of the movements available for the body. So starting to become friends of the muscles we don't even know exist, starting to have that kinesthetic awareness with those muscles and starting to use them differently, that's when we start to change our life completely. We start to think differently. Things that bother us before don't bother us anymore. Things that cause us a fit don't cause us a fit. There's incredible inner peace as a result of those things. Mira, let me just let people know we're we're speaking with Mir Schneider, and um, he truly is the teacher of teachers. We we feel so gifted always when we get to have him with us. His website is self-healing.org, and again, that's self-healing.org. He's in San Francisco uh, in a beautiful clinic. Uh, it, it's about a maybe half a block from the ocean. I'm sure many sessions of his teaching, you go walking on the sand and you'll enjoy the beach with all your exercises. And um, he treats you like family. Uh, it's a gift that comes from his heart that just never stops. Um, there's a phone number where you can connect with him at 415 665 9574. Again, the number is 415-665-9574. And, um, Mir, um, the name of the book that you recently, um, well, actually, you wrote it in 2012. You sold 10,000 copies. It's called Vision for Life, mm-hmm. 10 Steps to Natural Eyesight Improvement. And... Um, I, I highly suggest looking at the book. Remember, if your eyes are balanced, it helps the rest of your body be balanced as well. And 
Is there anything else, Mayor, that you want? Yeah, I want to say something about our facilities and our training. We're going to have. I want to announce two classes. I'm going to have. I'm going to have a natural vision improvement class for those who just want to come and work on the vision on May 30th, and we're going to have a, a class on, uh, as I said, on August 12th to August 31st, and people who want to come just 12th to the 19th can do that, and it's 10 hours a day. And, we, of course, we start by meeting and exercise, and then we go to the beach. And much of what we do is near the water. And we have a trampoline. We have a hot tub. We do a lot of wonderful things here. But the main thing is we start to really know what we normally don't know about our body. For example, walking and running backwards is a very important thing for us, uh, a very important thing to do. And um, um, that leads to muscles we never used before starting to utilize our toes. You know, many people uh, don't even know their toes move. Some people can play guitar with their toes. Some people can feed themselves with their toes. But most people don't do anything with their toes, and we step on them all day long, and we have weaker foot as a result of not using our toes. So um, we teach people how to overcome joint problems, but also how to overcome um, hazard related to the workplace, like carpal tunnel syndrome. Again, by loosening the shoulders, by creating more mobility in the periphery, in the fingers, in the wrist, all that makes a very big difference. Well, I know when I, I took uh, one of your classes that I didn't realize how I didn't use my toes. I mean, it was hard to get them moving. <laughs> Brain to toe. <laughs> Absolutely. Well. Okay, so uh, your natural vision class on May the 30th, how many days does that last? Or is it One just day. A couple it's days? 10 to 5.30. It's pretty easy to get to our place because we're just off, you know, close to 19th Avenue, but we're by the beach. And uh, people who come from San Jose or Cupertino, it's, many people come to us from Santa Cruz. Make a, it, it's a very big difference when they get here and uh, um, relax. That's, that's an important thing. Mm, great. So yeah. people can take out time to do that. They'll never be sorry. I mean, I just about, I think it was a couple of months ago, I was with you at East West Bookstore, and let me tell you, I <laughs> you had everybody just ooing and aahing and going, oh, my gosh, just in a short period of time for about an hour and a half, they were able to um, stretch a vision that they had further and to be able to see better and they just couldn't believe what you were doing simply with pieces of paper and you name it i mean it's you have you <laughs> i don't think you even have one technique there must be multiple techniques that you just your brain flips to it and you just it's like a switch you're <laughs> i'm not you must bring it in from the ethers mir it's just amazing well, when techniques move uh, all the time. For example, yesterday I gave a lecture in State University, and um, some people were sitting in the first row. I said, well, won't you take the glasses off, youngsters? And they felt first intimidated without their glasses. They need the glasses to see everything. They're nearsighted. And then as we did the exercises, palming, which, where you put the hands around the eye orbits and rest your eyes, uh, turning the light off, and then turning it on and reading, doing the long swing where you stand and you move your whole body from side to side. And then towards the end of the session, of about an hour and a half, I asked some of the people, 
how was it to be without your glasses? And they said, my goodness, I'm seeing better and better without them. And that was nice to see that people in the 20s can do that so easily. And I think that uh, every experience is a very nice, a very pot- good potentially learning experience for the eyes and for the body, basically. Well, I know that uh, I can, when I do the exercises, that I can really see the improvement in my eyesight. And Wonderful. then your eyes get lazy from glasses, don't they? I mean, absolutely, absolutely. Just like uh, you get lazy. I mean, I wouldn't say you get lazy, but if you sit in a wheelchair, the body becomes stiff from being in a wheelchair. You know, uh, it makes you mobile because you can move from place to place. But on the other end, you pay a price for sitting in a wheelchair. So I'm so happy that some of my clients are trying to wheel themselves with their hands, trying to stand from time to time, need the wheelchair less. Same thing is with glasses. There was one lady who had 18 diopters of hypermetropia, and she uh, said one pair of glasses, which is a bit stronger, is near the uh, computer keyboard. One pair of glasses a bit weaker is uh, in her dashboard. Three years later, she did not need the glasses in a dashboard, and five years later, she did not need the glasses in a keyboard, and her prescription went down from 18 to 2. And, you know, I had a kid who came to me with one lazy eye. One eye sees 20-20, one eye hardly uh, doesn't see well, it's very nearsighted. His prescription, after a year of working with me, went down from 4 to 175. Uh, so, uh, I would say that you can definitely do a lot of things to change what your faith should be according to the medical profession, according to what you used to think until now. And, Paula, I really commend you, because I know from our discussion throughout uh, the years that you did not increase your glass prescription. Am I correct about that? You're correct. In fact, uh, it's better now than it was five years ago. Isn't that beautiful? You didn't become younger Uh in five years. But your eyes got better no. in five years, isn't it nice? Yeah. And yeah. you live in yes. beautiful mountains, so one of the things I really recommend you do is look at the distance, four to six minutes at a time, um, uh, several times a day. And whenever anyone of the audience uses a computer, wave your hands to the side. A great exercise for audience at home is close the right eye and open the left and wave your hand to the side, above and below the left eye, and then close the left eye and wave your hand to the side of above and below the right eye, and then open both eyes and wave your hands. Another thing you can do is put a small piece of paper, um, the length is one inch, the width is two inches, uh, stick it to the bridge of your nose, and wave your hands to the side, and then take that paper off, and you'll have much better periphery. So we need better periphery. We need to look better at details. We need to adjust to the sun. We need to adjust to the dark. And we need to create a real good mobility in our body. And I think, Paula, you're a real good example of what I want people to be able to do. Not use the glasses too excessively as they're being told to do. Use them to make sure they don't make any effort. But not use them, not make them like they're part of their eyes, you know, and put them on all the time. That's a very important thing. I know I was um, in a restaurant with uh, people about 10, 15 years younger than me, and... Uh, they couldn't believe that I didn't 
use glasses to read the menu. They all were popping their glasses on. And then they accused me of having uh, laser surgery on my eyes. I said, no, I didn't have it. That's just <laughs> my natural eyesight. So that made me really proud. I Isn't it nice? Exercise. Isn't it nice? And I know of yes. one physician who keeps interviewing me in a radio station in D.C., and he was driving, and he started to be so tired that he was about to drink coffee, which he didn't like to do. So he stood and looked at the distance. His eyes relaxed, and he could drive some more. And so I think it is fantastic that you do things that make a difference for you. And that's how I want most people to be. Because I've seen yeah. people who were nearly blind and overcame that. But we're talking about day-to-day life with most people depend less on artificial help and work more with your own natural powers. Nature is powerful, but we have to allow ourselves to be a part of nature. Yeah. There we we're coming to the end of the show. We need to let people know that you travel all over the world and you work with people and um, certainly give him a call if you'd like to have him in your area. Um, He does ignite those around him to become more flexible in their thoughts and more in tune with their bodies. And this is simply not a... And if you you live in the Bay Area, be sure to go to one of his classes because he's right in our back door. I mean... (laughs) How good do we have it? <laughs> yeah. There, there's simply not a better gift to give another person. It's called a renewable body. And um, you can call him at 415-665-9574. And his website is self-healing.com. There. Dot org. Self-healing.org. Thank yeah. you. And we love you. Thank you so much for. I love both of you very much. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Happy travels. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.